We're live. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Grounded, my Q&A live stream podcast where I talk to you. And today, more importantly, talk to our guests. We have Corey Steuben with us today. Hello, Corey. Hello. How are you doing? Thanks for having me on. Good. Good. Thank you so much. You are in, an incredibly busy person we were just talking about. So I appreciate you being here even more. Um, I want to say to everybody, today is uh, August 8th, 2023. Just so you know, for context of if you listen to this in the future, Stephanie, my wife, is here to help us with some of the comments and questions you have. So as we go through this live stream, this is for you guys in the live to ask us questions, uh, ask Corey questions specifically, and we will respond to you and give our best answers. So Corey, uh, while we wait for some people to hop in here, do you want to just say a little hello, give a little intro, however you want to uh, describe yourself these days and uh, let us know how you're doing? Sure. Yeah. Um, so for those who don't know me, I spent... 18 years at Monroe and Associates, and I created Monroe Live. So if you're following the EV space and you've seen Sandy Monroe on the internet, um, that was my brainchild back in 2020. I also appeared in about 100 or 150 of those videos. But just one week ago, I resigned from Monroe and Associates. So I'm currently unemployed. So, but this last week has been one of the most busy weeks of my entire life. I was talking before I got on uh, this live stream that um, my phone has really rang off the hook with people just either offering support or, or asking, you know, what my future plans are. So, um, but in the EV space, um, I think I've seen or torn down uh, about 10 or 15 EVs. So um, my past history allows me to look at some of these images of the Cybertruck and give a little bit of a contrarian view than than what most people see and think. So it'll be fun to see what we uh, look at today. Great, definitely. Yeah, and, and that's why for me, I mean, it's not the live streams for everyone else, not for me, but <laughs> I'm excited to talk to you about Cybertruck. I wanna say a huge thank you to Brett uh, Snyder for that super chat. That is incredibly nice. I owe Corey a beer now or a Gatorade or whatever you want. <laughs> at some point, we will get together and, and take advantage of that. So thank you so much. Um, so we have a few questions rolling in already. Uh, let's start with uh, Brett. So please ask Corey, what mechanical compute hardware and software specs do you think will be required for an OEM licensing FSD from Tesla? That's a great question, actually. Ooh, yeah, that is a great question. So if you look at the transition from hardware 2.5 to 3, you're going to need a minimum processing power that you saw in hardware 3.0 for Tesla. And um, Tesla is really heavy, heavily vision. Um, with a little bit of radar, and that radar has been pulled off and on different vehicles. Now hardware four um, is reincorporating radar. So if you're an OEM out there and you're heavily reliant on LiDAR, your hardware is not going to match the FSD licensing. So vision first, the right number of cameras, and, and in the right places. So to me, I think it'd be very difficult to calibrate FSD to a different set of cameras with different resolutions. Um, so I don't believe you just be able to plug and play into an existing EV. Um, actually, it doesn't even have to be an EV, an existing vehicle. Um, that's a really great question. You're going to want to match the, the hardware capabilities of the camera, the radar, and um, the processing power of hardware uh, 3.0. And I think if you're mismatched somewhere, even if your cameras are higher resolution, that's not going to work well uh, with FSD. 
Right. Uh, and that's a good point. And, you know, you can even see with Tesla today, they have FSD beta that's functioning, however, good or bad, whatever you want to say on hardware three. They've had hardware four in Model S and X since March of 2023, and it still does not have beta. And this is Tesla in-house. They can't, for whatever reason, or don't want to enable beta on this new hardware. So for another OEM to go through that, um, especially like you said, a lot of them use LiDAR. So that's that's a really great point. Um, this one from Every Short Daily. It's an interesting name. <laughs> Do you think the Cybertruck rear window will roll down to allow for camp mode based off of the images you've seen from Tesla? Ooh, roll down. Now this is, I'm gonna have to live with this answer for a long time. Um, I did see the spy shot of the roll-up tonneau, which I think will be in that area. If you're familiar with what I'm talking about, the roll-up tonneau will roll up into a drum instead of stack slats like we saw in the Rivian R1T. Because of that, space is real limited in that area. So I do not think it will roll down. That's that's my opinion. It's a huge amount of ceiling and uh, roll down windows. You know, full width roll down windows were also prone to breaking. Think of Suburbans or uh, even the International Harvester Travel All. They used to have crank windows where the whole rear window would crank up and down, and they were real susceptible to breaking because they were typically in the tailgates that would flip down. Um, so I say no. I think it'll be a fixed glass, in my opinion. Interesting. And this is exactly why we have you here because of, you know, you're bringing in that experience from other vehicles where you've seen it attempted and it probably wasn't a good idea. Um, and I do want to say, I didn't say in the beginning, is there anywhere on socials you want people to follow you just on X or? Just on X. Yep. Okay. And it's just my name at Corey Steuben. Got it. Um, yep. It is, it is up there for people to see. Okay, cool. I just want to make sure we got that for you. All right. Thank you so much. Uh, good luck on your next endeavor, Corey. Very nice. And uh, to go along with that, Andrew Feely is saying, Corey, are you going to work for Tesla? So no comment. Um, I've received lots of different emails and phone calls and I will be traveling tomorrow somewhere. So follow me on Twitter. I'll post when I'm at the airport uh, to what city I'm going to, which will open up a lot of people to comment wrong answers only. So it's a large city, and when I fly to it, people can start to guess, and uh, we'll see. All right. That sounds really good. Uh, his at is right there. You can see below his name, at Corey Steuben. Uh, don't spell it with an E. I used to do that until I corrected myself. Uh, all right. So this one's for me. I'll just do it really quick. Um, am I satisfied with current Cybertruck design and features versus 2019 prototype spec? Well, we don't know. It hasn't been you know, officially unveiled yet with all the, the specs. Um, so I'm, I'm really hoping we get the 500 miles, you know, like Tesla said, I don't think we're going to, I just don't, especially right at release, maybe eventually, but, um, yeah, so we'll have to wait till they, they, uh, unveil it. What do you think so far from what you've seen, Corey, compared to the, you know, initial specs, if you remember them and the prices, do you think Tesla's hitting those metrics like within the, the next six months? The prices make sense raising them. I thought it was way too cheap. That what was it, a thirty nine thousand nine ninety nine? Yeah, that was the dual motor three hundred mile. Yeah, yeah. These are these are trucks, and if you are oh, sorry, I'm sorry, single motor three hundred mile. I'm yeah, get story, if you are a shareholder in Tesla, you want the trucks to sell for a higher average transaction price than the Model Three and the Model Y. You'll get there through the blended pricing, because most people are going to order 
the dual motor or the tri motor or the quad motor. I don't even know where they're at. I know that all of them have been offered in some some way, shape, or form. And uh, similar to the Model Three, the mix of rear wheel drive versus all wheel drive, I believe, is less. You may actually know those numbers, but the majority of people order, uh, I think, all wheel drive long range. Is that correct for the three and the Y? Uh, yeah. Well, the majority is is all wheel drive, um, which is two motor on SNX. Correct. And correct. Then, right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so, sorry. You're saying yeah. the three and Y? Three and Y. Yeah. So Y right now only well in the U.S. only comes in dual motor, yeah. all wheel drive, and then the three comes in single and and long range. But I. Yeah. I Yes. So I'm just trying to apply that same logic to the cyber truck where I I think it'll be a minority to get a rear wheel drive, you know, small battery pack cyber truck. And then as for the feature set, I believe they shrunk the size. It it, it was originally launched much larger. I don't remember how much larger the prototype that was on Jay Leno's garage was huge. And then I saw one, uh, I think it was one in camo with a Rivian behind it. And the Rivian and the cyber truck seemed to be like similar size it kind of blew my mind because i remember the cybertruck being there you go right it, it the rivian looks as big as it but i know the cybertruck's in the foreground it's funny you had that photo That's yeah well i wanted to talk to you about it because the the, the thing is the perspective tricks you but yeah. i drove uh, sandy's r1t i came there one time and you guys checked out well sandy checked out my model x and he let me take his r1t and i was surprised at how small it was it's small the, the pictures yeah. don't really give you that feel, um, at least for me. And driving it felt like driving a car. Yeah. So yeah, this picture I definitely wanted to you know you to comment on because it's hard again with the perspective. The Cybertruck's yeah. farther away, so of course it will look smaller, but they do look comparable, even if you take that into account. Yeah. Yeah, the rear overhang looks larger on the Rivian from the rear wheel out to the back, and then the front overhang looks similar to the uh, Rivian in the Cybertruck, but the hood is longer on the Rivian. And you have such a cab forward design on the Cybertruck, it kind of changes your perspective. It's almost like we need another picture of this from the other direction and the Cybertruck would look way bigger. So, right. yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that, yeah. If, if they're looking a similar size in this configuration, then, you know, I, I can't imagine the Cybertruck is gonna be the size of a Rivian. That would be, it's going to be, it should be bigger. I think it's bigger. For sure. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. I think it's going to be bigger. That would, that would be very strange if it was the same size as a Rivian. I, I don't yeah. see that. Um, all right. Let's put up, uh, what's, sorry, what's this next one? Um, <laughs> how hard is it going to be watching the Cybertruck teardown on Monroe Live with the rest of us? <laughs> yeah, that was a big consideration into um, my decision to leave is there was always the next thing. So there was, I was scheduled to speak in Vancouver at the charged expo chart yet the fully charged, fully charged. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I had a bunch of different trips planned to meet CEOs of recycling companies and, and you know, I just, at some point I I had to make the decision and the cyber truck uh, tear down. Yeah. I'm going to miss that, but um, who knows where I'll end up and it could bear other fruit and in a different way. And, um, you know, we'll just have to wait and see. Yep, definitely. And you'll get to watch the videos, so you'll at least see it. <laughs> yeah. I could just do reaction videos. 
Oh, yes. That's what everybody used to do until you figured out to make the YouTube channel yourself. Because that's what I've talked to you about this. That's what I've always said is, you know, when people would post Andy and say, like, oh, he said, you know, he could say one sentence and people would make a whole video out of it. Yeah. And I'm thinking these guys should just make their own channel. And you did it. And I mean, look how successful it was. Yeah. And it it was my idea to do like a 10 minute video on a one second clip, uh, one second screen grab from the Cybertruck when it was running into the wall. I think it was yeah. on April Fool's Day. Yeah. Yeah. The they, fake showed, crash test. they showed the underneath and Jordan Rocha and I did a whole like 10 minute video. And I think it got 300 or 400,000 views, 250,000. I watched and, it. <laughs> uh, yeah, a lot of we just talked about the the structure and the frame and everything we know, and um, it was, you know, if we can squeeze that much juice out of a one second clip, yeah, you know, you never know. Yeah, exactly. Did someone just ask, how do I ask a question? <laughs> I didn't see that. Yeah, <laughs> Stephanie's managing that those things. Oh, that's funny. How do I ask a question? There you go. Yeah, you. That's how you just put them up there. Um, we could do this one real quick. Um, <laughs> you want to take a picture of that? No, <laughs> Tweet I, that. I thought about tweeting out that I'm on this right now. To, to send yes, over here. you should. You should. Yeah. Um, we do normally go for about an hour, just so you all know. We cut off at an hour, but if Corey wants to keep going or people are asking questions, we can go a little over. Um, this one, I don't know, is what's your opinion? Do you think the size of the Cybertruck frunk uh, is a deal breaker? I will. I have a picture of that as well from that. I, think, I think it was made for two sets of golf clubs. I pointed this out. So what is missing on the left and right front of this picture? Now, I'll let you try and guess. What would normally be there on the Rivian and on the F-150 Lightning? Uh, the, the plugs, right? The outlets. No. Well, no. okay, maybe. I mean, there, we don't see those. There's a large monument that's not there. When, when the hood opens, the frunk opens, mm -hmm. What's missing at the corners? You got huge, me, man. I don't know. Huge headlights. I'm not the engineer. Huge headlights. Oh, like okay. Normally, okay. there's very large headlights that are sure. anywhere from 6 to 10, 12 inches wide, mm -hmm. which makes the opening of the frunk very, more narrow. I believe we're looking at this from the side. I believe the width of this frunk will be a total of four to eight inches wider than both the Rivian and the F-150 Lightning front. Okay. So those have the depth and this more has width. This looks like it has Got width. It. I agree with so, that. Yeah. Or girth. Okay. Depends on what you prefer. <laughs> sure. It's, it's very short, but a lot yeah. of girth. Okay, good. <laughs> um, and then since we have this picture up, I think this is a little crazy, but did you see this? I, I can't point to it, but in the bottom left, that looks almost like a place where you could kind of plug in like a charger. You see what I'm talking about? Just a little like indent. Some people were speculating that to help with like a towing cyber truck, because this is the opposite side of where the charger is in the back, you could pull in and kind of plug in the supercharger uh, on the front. I what do you think? highly doubt they do that. Yeah, I, I agree. Because of the cost. Well, the cost, but you'd also have to have your frunk open while you're charging, which is oh, the, the cost would be astronomical to run a wire from there to the charge module, which will be sure. integrated into the pack, most likely like the Model 3 S X Y. No, right. Of course. OK. Yeah. Uh, see, again, I love the engineering side because I didn't even think of that. But duh, like that's <laughs> where all your power is running through. Um, 
All right, this is a great one. So with your background knowledge on many different uh, car components, do you think Tesla's 25,000 vehicle, including near 100% Tesla parts is feasible? Can they, can they do it? Can they do it? Yes. Yeah, but I'll expand on that. Um, yeah, sure. No, I mean, that's, that's awesome to at least hear that, but yeah, go ahead. So ultimately, when you're designing an electric vehicle, you want the appropriate amount of range with the smallest battery pack possible. So to get there, you have to do everything well. And by everything, I mean the thermal system. You have to have it designed in a way where you have the smallest amount of lines running to and from your motor, your inverter, your battery. And um, beyond that, the unboxed assembly process, the 48 volt low voltage architecture, uh, the fourth gen drive unit, which uh, they stated in investor day would be about $1,000 for the whole unit. It's incredible. So getting the powertrain cost down is one thing. Getting the battery to be as small as possible is another. So using the appropriate materials, so using giga castings where, where possible, but to keep costs down, they need to use steel throughout. So steel subframe, steel body side inner, steel body side outer. And um, you can get there if you work really hard, but the, the vehicle needs to be smaller. It has right. to be smaller because the total bomb cost uh bill of material cost of a model three um we calculated around 34 to 36,000 us dollars so you shrink that vehicle down you do one motor you do a smaller battery you do 48 volt architecture and all the other things i said you can easily start to pull that thing down where the cost comes down around 20,000 18 19 17,000 and then Tesla can sell it for 25 grand and still make money. And and you're also kind of considering their potential plant in Mexico and oh, yeah. all of that as well. Yeah. Because yep. that's got to be huge savings as well. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. That's great. Uh, so I guess this is kind of related to that. Uh, what are your thoughts on Project Highland? Have you been following the leaks or rumors? Or... Yeah. So I, I think Project Highland is in a, a more deep MCA. MCA is a mid-cycle action. So typically OEMs will do mid-cycle actions three to four years. This is pushing what six years since yeah, the 2017. Yeah. yeah. Late 17. Right. Um, so it's a little longer uh, to do a mid-cycle action. So it's more like a major mid-cycle action where you're going to refresh things like uh, fascias, hood, fenders, rear fascia, tail lights, so that the vehicle looks different. I believe that they're going to most likely upgrade some interior components. So whether that is um, adding a few more features, maybe maybe getting heated, uh, not heated, uh, getting cooled seats. I don't cooled think the seats, Model 3 yeah. or Model uh, Y have cooled seats. Correct. Um, potentially upgrading the infotainment system. And I would love if they added a cluster uh, like for uh, similar to the yeah. Model S. A driver Model display. Three. Yeah. Yeah. But if they're so. truly going for cost, I don't think they will. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So um, Tesla's already been running a lot of small changes throughout. So a 2021 Model 3 got the heat pump and octo valve system, you know, backwards compatible from the Model Y. That was a big improvement. We've seen improvements in the battery construction during our teardowns, elimination of some circuitry on the BMS boards. 
Um, so things that you don't really see, but I think you may see, I hope, giga castings in the Project Highland version. So right. if they let the tooling run its course for all the stampings for the mixed material body, um, they can finally start to use giga castings in the uh, Model 3. Right. Yeah. And to expand on those kind of incremental updates, I'm sure everybody, you know, if you've been following Tesla for any amount of time, you know, just one day the cars have a new feature, you know, whatever it is. And I don't know if you were following like right in the beginning, like that late 2017, but the first few, I don't know, like the first maybe hundred or something model three were shipped with full Alcantara on the headliner. Yeah. And, and then people just start picking up with whatever the cheap stuff it has now. And like, Hey, it doesn't have Alcantara. And it was this huge, like everything with Tesla, this huge like drama where everyone's like, where's my Alcantara. And, and Tesla's like, Oh, we don't do it anymore. And then the other one that was, was pretty big was the seats, uh, especially the rear bench people were finding it incredibly uncomfortable and it was way too flat. And like within, I don't know, a month or a couple of months, all of a sudden that, that rear bench had a little bit of a tilt to it. So it was much more comfortable. Yeah. And these were all in the first couple months. So yeah, yeah exactly. Tesla does these little things, but. Um, hey, real quick, I got a mm -hmm. question. Of this course, is streaming yeah. just on YouTube or is it streaming anywhere else? This is just YouTube. Okay. Yeah. Do you I'm need gonna, it somewhere I'm else? Gonna, I'm gonna tweet out right now. Okay, good. Yeah, you got the link? No, I don't have the link. Um, oh, well, that's important. Well, give it, yeah. I'll give it to you. Text me the link. Um, can I oh, exit DM. to you? Yeah, DM me the link. All right. Short intermission, everybody. We're just DMing each other on X. Oh, no, no. Yeah, Twitter. keep going. <laughs> it's fine. It's, it's casual. Everybody's having a good time. There you go. Um, okay, so there's the link to that. Uh, very important that you tweet it out so everybody that likes you can be here and ask you questions. Um, let me look through some of these questions here before I just click them and oh yeah, Stephanie's screening them. I don't even need to be careful. Forgot about that. Thank you. You're doing a great job by the way. So, <laughs> um, okay. Let's just pop it up here. Uh, Corey slash me. Do you think Tesla's brand uniqueness will drop with licensing of FSD and opening of supercharger networks to, to other OEMs? I just want to put a quick sentence. I don't think anybody's licensing FSD anytime soon. That's my opinion. Um, <laughs> with that, I'll let uh, Corey expand on that some more. I think you have to weigh the pros and cons. So I've said this before. I think the mission of Tesla is to accelerate the transition to sustainable energy and transportation. So Elon's used the walled garden uh, phrase. I don't know what it means. It probably re refers back to ancient times where people had gardens and they put walls up so that they were the only people who got to see them. So Yes, if you were buying a Tesla now, two, three years from now, you're going to pull up to a charger, uh, charge station, and it's going to be filled with lightnings and blazers and equinoxes that don't know what they're doing, that are, you know, fumbling around, taking too much time to figure things out. And it may drive you crazy. But I just took a cross country road trip all the way to North Carolina. And every time I stopped at a gas station where there was a Tesla charger station, I noted how many cars were there. Three or four of the times there was zero. And it was the middle of the day, none. And then a, a few times there was like two or three. Yep. Yeah. So I think these ones on the thoroughfares, like this is driving through Pennsylvania. They weren't, they weren't busy. There was plenty of room. So uptime the more that they're charging it, it's actually better that there's a tiny wait time because then you're generating revenue 
24-7. And I think they're very far away from that. They collect all the data, so they'll be able to identify trouble spots where you have some that are way overrun with uh, they're way overrun with uh, traffic, and they may end up adding more uh, capacity at those stations. Right. Yeah, I experienced that coming back from Florida. I mean, like you said, most of the time it's it's pretty open. But one of my one of our supercharger stops on the way back from Florida it was a V two. So then you're sharing the stalls, and it was full. We had to wait. I mean, honestly, it was we waited like two minutes, but still we had to wait. And then people after us had to wait, and it was a terrible experience. And the charging was super slow. I mean, at least by Tesla standards, it's still faster than a Bolt or anything like that. But um, yeah, it was not uh, a good experience. So some of those stations I've seen. There's one in. Uh, what is that one in Kentucky? Do you remember what that one's called where they added the V3s? Um, well, whatever. There's one in Kentucky that we went to last year and it was only V2s and there were four, I think four or five stalls and it was crazy busy and it was super slow. We went back this year and they had expanded it with like another six or eight V3s like right next to it. And it was the coolest experience because, you know, I, I don't know if you feel this way, but like it did go off on a tiny little tangent. In the US, we have like our infrastructure just does not get any care or treatment <laughs> like for the most part. Bridges are falling apart and roads are terrible, especially around here. And to go to a piece of infrastructure that's like already established, they already did all the permits, they already installed everything. And to come back a year later and for it to be more than double capacity was yeah. kind of like, man, I love this company even more. Because they're not just like building a supercharger and never looking at it again. They saw the data. They saw it needed to be updated. So um, that's pretty cool. Uh, okay, let's do go off a little bit from Tesla because you you are involved with other things. But I don't know. Uh, have you experienced the BYD car or do you know much about those? I am familiar with many of the BYD vehicles through some projects that I had worked on in the past. And I mm -hmm. can't really talk about what I know. Okay, sure. Um, but they are decent vehicles. Okay, cool. That's your thoughts on BYD. Awesome. Um, we'll do this one again. You know, feel free to skip any. But how is your relationship with Sandy now that you have departed? I assume he had plans for you to take over someday, and now has to change his legacy planning. That's that's kind of a deep question. Um, um well, so I spent the last four days of my time at Monroe with Sandy in San Luis Obispo. Um, so I've spent more time with Sandy Monroe than probably anyone these last three years. We traveled somewhere around a hundred to 120 days a year. Um, so I think this is a difficult change for me and for Sandy because we were like Batman and Robin for all these years. Um, so there's a lot of amazing people at Monroe that can step in and, fill whatever void I may have left, um, particularly with people being on the channel and engineering, the engineering side of thing and the media side of thing, everything's in good hands. So um, yeah, um, he's still, he's still rocking. He's in his early seventies and I don't think he's going anywhere uh, for the near future. Great. Thank you. Um, yeah. I mean, that stuff can be hard, but of course everybody's curious, you know, it's, it's this is part of the life when you put things on YouTube, then, stuff yeah. that happens people just want to know they have these questions so i think everybody like really appreciates you know you just kind of sharing with us and, and talking um this one's funny okay uh is there any reason a wiper can't be positioned on the bottom uh behind i'm assuming that's for aerodynamics but i'm just used to having it so uh, talking about the Cybertruck's gigantic wiper blade i'll see if i have a picture um yeah yeah it's up on the side on the left on the the pillar 
My question is, if they sell it in in a European nation, will it be on the other side? Ah. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um, because it, it'll have to wipe down because the area that it doesn't get. Well, um, yeah, if go you ahead, look at the right-hand drive, then it won't be. Oh, oh yeah. uh, this one. There you go. You can kind of see it in that picture. Yeah, the reason why it's not in the center, there's no ditch. There's right. no, yeah. there's no, um, normally there's a ditch there with drainage. They've mm -hmm. eliminated that. And yeah, for aerodynamics, you don't want that disturbing the flow, 100%. Look at a NASCAR race. Uh, so in NASCAR, they have road courses where they're required to have windshield wipers on the vehicle because they race in rain. They all drive with them up, you know, perfectly straight like that. I think they're in the middle of the window too. Yep. Um, so I'm seeing if I can add, I don't know if I can do this. I'm trying to add a picture really quick because I want to just touch on something that you mentioned with um, where it would be. Let's see, did this update? No. Can I remove it and add it again? We're learning as we go here, everybody. I mean, I am. Corey's doing great. Uh, okay, I can't. Darn. Um, there was a picture with Franz where, I don't know if you've seen it, he's standing in front of the Cybertruck. And there's uh, very clearly the windshield is dirty and you can yeah. see exactly where it's wiped. Um, and if you compare it to any other vehicle, when you look, you know, if you look at any car on the road, if you're looking at it from the outside on the left above the passenger seat in the top corner, it's still, that doesn't get wiped. There's no point. Right. Yeah. Right. And the Cybertruck looks, looks exactly the same in, in that regard. Yeah. And usually you'll have a tiny section where the two circles hit i can't do it like that there'll be a little tiny triangle in the middle too so the cybertruck eliminates that because you get a full wipe in front of the driver right they won't sell cybertruck outside of north america that's kind of in response to you asking about driving it on the other side of the road what do you think yeah i can see that because i think they discontinued the right hand drive version of the model s and x or three and three and y right. uh, snx yeah snx they SNX. don't do yeah 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 i agree and even if they do it's going to be what four or five years before that happens I and mean, it's gonna be a long time long long time all right keep going here um i guess we'll continue with cyber truck that was kind of like my main again for me i was excited about it uh thing here so is there any advantage in cost of producing cyber truck now that exoskeleton isn't really happening so i would love for you to really dig into this and like get a bunch of crap like you will because elon still like to this day even i think a couple weeks ago on x was saying exoskeleton but yeah so there is no book on what a body of a vehicle is exoskeleton or endoskeleton. And I refer this, I gave this example to somebody the other day, said, you're a human being. And if you caught on fire and all your skin burned off, you'd be in horrible pain, but you could still walk. All right. Sure. You know, you're on fire and you're walking because your skeleton's on the inside. Now, if you're a a crab or a lobster or a spider or something that's actually an exoskeleton and you're not in your molting phase and you damage that exoskeleton or remove it now the inside you know mush has nothing to react against you're not going anywhere you're just going to lay there in, in like a blob so if you look at an airplane which is really an exoskeleton the skin is fully structural and then you have stringers and ribs throughout. 
if you were to remove the skin in the center of a plane, it would it would not sustain its own shape. It's very, very critical. So a cyber truck, if you took the fenders off, you took the doors off, you took the hood off, you took the bumpers off, you took the lift gate off, and if you even cut the stainless steel that's in the rear quarter, could you still drive down the road? The answer is yes. Would it have the same same structural rigidity? No. I think the rear portion of the stainless steel is going to contribute significantly to triangulate the structure in those rear giga castings to the bed rail. And because of that, that's similar to most other vehicles. If you look at the Model Y, um, the body side outer, uh, the outer piece contributes a lot of the structure into the rear quarter panel, but the front fender contributes almost no structure. So that, so that means the Cybertruck is more like a typical vehicle where you do have some of the outer structure skin contributing to structure in the rear quarters, but the A, B, and C pillar are comprised of a clamshell uh, body side inner and outer ultra high strength steel. And that is what I stand by because almost every vehicle made has ultra high strength steel body side inner and outer. So you have it, you have it outer and an inner and they make up the whole door ring where all the doors go. They're welded together and they're boron steel. They're incredibly strong. That is not some sort of new te technique. And the Giga castings, although new and novel, it's not brand new because the Model Y has it in the front. So the front Giga casting, the body side inner and outer, the dash panel, the rear kick up panel, and the rear Giga castings mean that it's using methods that Tesla has mastered before it'll just be interesting if if elon ever expands on what he means there could be some novel construction methods in that rear quarter that we don't know about and that's kind of the unknown okay yeah all right i shouldn't even comment because i have no like expertise but from from my in my brain like from back in on the reveal day it seemed like that was kind of the the grand idea and it just wasn't achievable in the way they thought because from memory it was like we're going to take this steel and we're going to fold it up and there's your truck like it's going to be super simple and that's going to be all the structure but obviously that's not what's happening here so um yeah. okay interesting very you heard it here first or maybe second or third but <laughs> um okay thank you thank you for yeah interrupt me i like that that's good um let's see it is so then we'll, this kind of relates um, from Winston's garage. Uh, how repairable were the Cybertruck B? I have rebuilt two Model 3s and they are super easy to fix, but the Cybertruck has such a long dashboard. Uh, we're about the damage moving into the firewall and uh, of course the other parts of the truck that are kind of novel. Yeah, with a cab four design, it's probably more prone to tweaking the macro level structure on a moderate front impact. I do agree that you you could induce more damage than a vehicle with it with a long front hood and front overhang so that's a good point winston's garage i guess he asked how repairable it will be but his right. his example about what he's worrying about i think is valid you have a really odd you know very far forward uh, glass touch point and um but i did notice that the body side inner and outer 
the door ring structure ends and there's a small, I can't make a triangle. A small, I'm sorry. I, I was going to bring some of those pictures, but I couldn't find them in time. So. There's a small triangle that completes that, which could be serviceable in the event of a front impact. But if you're going to damage that front gigacasting, I think the vehicle's trashed anyways. So, really? Yeah, I think there. there's also something odd. EVs fetch a high dollar amount as crash vehicles. So mm, people sure. are like, oh, you get in a small accident and they write it off. They may do that because let's say you wreck a Model Y and it's brand new and you have $25,000 worth of damage and you think, well, the vehicle's worth 60, I'll pay the 25 grand. Well, the, the insurer may be able to get 30 grand for it at auction. So they do, they go, well, $25,000 worth of repairs we could pay that out or we just pay them 60 and then we sell it for 30 and they end up, you know, it's, it's like a wash for them. Right. And uh, then you don't have this repaired vehicle, which is worth less. So when it comes to insurance and EVs, uh, you know, you wreck an old internal combustion engine vehicle and it's old, it's like worthless. They're worth three grand or five grand or eight grand, but these EVs, if the battery's still in intact and the powertrains are still intact, um, they fetch a, a high dollar amount on the, the scrap market. Right. Okay. Yeah. The batteries hold value for a really long time. I mean, even if they're really degraded, there's so many other places you can use them, mm -hmm. even outside of recycling. So, um, okay. Let me do this. Um, what about other vehicles on this cyber platform? So, you know, you just kind of talked about how the Cybertruck has some uniqueness, of course, but for the most part, it's still got a body and it's got kind of this frame and the gigacastings and things that Tesla's already mastered. Do you think this platform, uh, if, if that's a good way to put it, Tesla should be building other vehicles in this style? Is there really a big advantage if they were to make, I don't know, like a cyber even... So, so some people were speculating that the $25,000 car was going to be a cyber style because whatever manufacturing efficiencies they've kind of brought out with the Cybertruck, the one I always point out, because it's obvious, is the lack of paint. I'm sure that saves so much money. Maybe that was a way they were getting down to that $25,000 thing, which what, your comments earlier didn't mention that. So, um, so other vehicles on this platform, basically. Yeah. The reason I think that the 25000 vehicle will be painted is because they explicitly stated the efficiencies they will gain when they paint the parts. Oh. I don't know if you remember, they said they're going to paint only the parts that need to be assembled. So they mentioned the paint process during that presentation. Uh, aren't parts of the Cybertruck painted like on the... Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So All so what can, can you talk about that real quick? I know it's off the question, but a lot of are curious about this. Yeah. So think about this. You have steel cradles. They need to be painted or e-coated. For, right? for corrosion resistance. For corrosion. Right? Yeah. Right. If you have raw steel raw aluminum you're going to have all sorts of, you could call it paint or you could call it coating it's usually like a benign gray well there were there were cyber truck uh job listings that were that said paint. paint that was the title yeah of the job listing yeah so the body in white will most likely be painted okay because it is a body in white and before you put the stainless steel outer on you have to paint all that your door jams aren't going to be raw steel so imagine you open the door you have a stainless steel door, you open it up, and that inner may need to be painted. The inner won't be stainless steel. What color is the inner going to be? Black, white? It'll either be aluminum or steel, most likely. And you'll have to paint that inner piece of the door. 
then your door jams you know when you open your door you, your door jams are all painted in a normal mm -hmm. car right those aren't going to be raw boron steel it looks like garbage you got well, you got from from us non you know us casual people us laymen we don't think about those things so you know when they're like oh it's a cyber truck and it's made of steel and it's not painted it's like sweet there's no paint like that's yeah. just what goes in your and head the battery pack will need to be painted the the cover the lid uh on the sure. structural battery pack they're coated yeah um, so some of these some of these not to interrupt you but some of the job titles just so people know production supervisor cyber truck paint production associate manager cyber truck paint engineer paint cyber truck so you know and there's a few more after that yeah i okay. they're painting all sorts of stuff just not the exterior sure and then to, of, yeah to, to go back to tim's question because i kind of took him over other vehicles on this platform do you think that's a thing they should do or I don't see it right away. I just don't see it in this platform, particularly how the body is constructed and the odd shape of the rear giga castings. The front giga casting could be reused along with the floor and structural battery pack, but the whole rear of the vehicle will have to be abandoned. I don't see a skateboard uh, attribute to it because sure. of the odd shape of the side rear giga castings to accommodate the roll up. Uh, the roll up tonneau and a, attachment points for stuff. And that's just based on what I've seen on like the five or six, you know, spy images I, that, that have been released. Right. So I don't, I don't see them hacking, hacking off a couple parts and putting a van on this okay. anytime soon, but could you use the core elements? So the powertrain, the front rail cradle, the battery pack, the front of dash, the um, core architectural elements from a thermal system. Heck yeah. And you could build a cyber SUV or a cyber van or a cyber buggy or a cyber whatever. Okay, cool. Um, this is a good one still related to Cybertruck. Are you getting sick of Cybertruck yet? Or are you no. good? Okay, okay. Um, so Matt is asking, uh, will the Cybertruck have crumple zones? And if not, could it be dangerous in a high-speed accident? The Cybertruck does have crumple zones. And you can see it if you look at those castings. So there's images. Do you have one, maybe? An image uh, I side? don't think so, but I'll look so really quick. The front no, fascia, the, the front bumper, the fender, the hood, are all going to be relatively soft from an impact perspective. And as you engage either another vehicle or a barrier or something from a small overlap perspective, that aluminum will start to compress and they design it to dissipate energy at the appropriate uh, over the appropriate time frame based on the mass of the vehicle so they can pass all the very stringent crash tests. So I find it highly unlikely that Tesla is designing this vehicle to be anything but five star. And the hardest thing is the SORB test, small overlap rigid barrier. So they'll have those castings wide enough to most likely engage the barrier at a 25% offset. If you haven't seen what that looks like, I highly recommend going to IIHS and watching, they call it the SORB test. Just watch a bunch of them, it's wild. And it, more energy dissipated over a smaller area means a more dramatic impact. You would think you hit a wall head on or 40%, it'd be more dangerous. It actually was way more dangerous to engage a small portion of your car. And that's why they're developing tests to protect against that. 
So they will have crumple zones primarily in the front. The rear is less important, but the, the front. They also test for oblique pull, roof crush, FMBS 226, uh, that's ejection mitigation for rollover. The vehicle is required to pass all of these tests. They can't, right. they, they, they'll self-certify, meaning they'll do all the tests internally themselves. And then eventually once they sell enough, they'll uh, give to, or IIHS will buy one or two of the vehicles and they'll put them through all these tests and it'll be publicly available in a matter of years. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, it, it's a good question. It's a good question, Matt. And it's, it's great to hear your, you know, again, the background on all of that, but it was always funny to me that this was something people were asking. We know Tesla makes some of the safest vehicles you can buy. I don't think they forgot about that <laughs> all of a sudden with the Cybertruck. And yeah, that small overlap test is, I've, I've watched those videos. It's pretty interesting. And I know again, from watching Tesla's do it, you see there, one of the methods they use is the front tire goes flying off. And mm -hmm. it's just to, like you said, dissipate that energy because it's in such a small area. It's just kind of one of the techniques they use. So um, I don't know. Okay. So we're both in, just so everybody knows in Metro Detroit, um, if you didn't know that. So I'll, I'll put this question up. I don't know how much you can respond to this, but uh, Corey, do you think GM has the engineering talent and executive dexterity to actually produce an EV that's positive margins? It's a big question because right now it seems GM, I mean, GM, what can you even buy from them? <laughs> like easily, it, there's not much available. Um, and then Ford, there's, you can buy F-150 Lightnings, you can buy Mach-E's, but it seems like they're both losing lots of money on their EVs. So are they going to get out of this or what's going on? So I have to be careful about how I answer this question because right. I have, we can skip it if you want. No, I have a dozen friends okay. who work at GM. They have plenty of talent. They do. Right. The executive dexterity is more pointing at probably CEO, VP, director level. And the real question is, can they produce an EV that has positive margins? Yes, eventually. Um, but I think one mistake that GM is making is they assume everybody will want to buy their vehicles because of brand loyalty and the cachet that they have and that they've created over whatever, a hundred years. And I think that is their biggest uh, oversight is that they just assume people will buy the Blazer and the Equinox and the, hum and the Hummer and the Silverado at the volumes necessary for them to realize their low cost vision through mass production. I don't see that demand for GM products that GM has for their internal combustion engine products. They have some amazing, they have some amazing uh, internal combustion engine vehicles. I drive one, I drive a GMC Yukon with an inline six diesel I love it. I can drive 800, 750 to 800 miles on one tank of fuel. I get 30 miles to the gallon. There's no EV that big right now. I want a, a cyber SUV that seats eight. I want it. Where is yeah. it? I'll pay for it. It'll probably be 140 grand. <laughs> right. Then I drive an $89,000 uh, diesel SUV. And every time I drive it, it brings me joy because it's quiet. It's smooth. It has air conditioned seats. The stereo is amazing. It's the, it, it's, it's just, I love it. And eventually will I transition to an electric vehicle? Yes. But GM needs to harness that brand loyalty 
and make the vehicles that people are loyal to quickly. And I think they're just not delivering. And um, they're starting with halo vehicles that uh, the Lyric, the Cadillac, expensive, the Hummer, expensive. What else? That uh, Celestique, super expensive. They're General Motors. They should be focusing on making a Model Y competitor and a Model 3 competitor and compete. And I don't think they compete there. So they are the mass market. They're a mass market uh, car producer, but they're playing in the luxury side. And I, I just don't know if they're going to realize their goals. They have some aggressive goals. What is it? Uh, you may remember 1 million vehicles by 2025. Is that their goal? All right. Can you hear me? Are you oh. here, Corey? Am I here? <laughs> is anybody here? <laughs> oh, I don't know. Tell me if you. Uh... Yeah, you're you're frozen, but I asked people to ask uh, questions in the chat, and I was just going to read them from my phone. Oh, awesome. Okay, thank you. I'm so sorry, everybody. Um, so I didn't. I usually preface this with I'm on Starlink, so sometimes that happens. But I've actually never had a problem live streaming. But a huge storm rolled through and. It disconnect, you know, it's disconnected for it looks like three seconds and that'll kill the whole thing. So sorry about that. Uh, but we're back before the stream actually ends. So that's good. Uh, did you have one you wanted to answer? Yeah. So Darren Orange asked, what's your favorite car in the past five years that hasn't awesome. come out yet? Ooh, that's tough. Past five. So past five years that hasn't come out yet. That's kind of confusing. Yeah. Like maybe that was announced, but it's still announced, not, you know, in the past five years, it hasn't come out. Ooh, it's, it's gotta be the Cybertruck, but I know that's too easy there. I'm a big fan of the Genesis brand, believe it or not, uh, during my benchmarking days at, uh, for a large OEM in Detroit, we tore down the Hyundai Genesis and it was just phenomenal vehicle for the money. And it, you could put it right next to a BMW 5 Series and everything about it, the HMI, the fit and finish, the power, the, the, the reaction that it got from car and drivers. So Genesis makes really, really good vehicles. Ooh, another question. Um, does 4680 disappoint? It's from Hey, It's Tim. Does the 4680 disappointingly low energy density prohibit Tesla from actually producing a 500-mile yes. range truck at this point i believe you are correct so i think they were at 229 watt hours per kilogram i got to get that right i think and um they need to be more up around the 280 270 280 mark where they get at where they're at with the 2170s um you're going to be limited from a geometric perspective the size of the cyber truck so I don't think you're going to be at 500 mile range. I think you're going to be more in the mid mid to low 400s. Okay. And let's see. Um, it says Nicholas Howard said Hyundai does some fine work when they try. I agree. Um, let's see. Uh, thoughts. Uh, this is Martin Bevan Jenkins says thoughts on closing the loop between manufacturing and insurance could this be a game changer making something more expensive but cheaper to repair for example Ooh, so i'm a firm believer that you should focus on reliability and not serviceability 
And what I mean by that is look at the battery of a 4680 model Y. It was glued together. It took the Monroe and Associates team like a month to peel the lid off and, and dry ice blast away all the pink foam just to get the cells out. What that means is it's meant to be a solid unserviceable brick, but when you have a solid brick like that, it's extremely rigid, structural, and reliable. The more fasteners you introduce into a system, the more propensity for failure. And um, eliminating threaded fasteners, eliminating parts, making it as simple as possible is very important to bring the cost down. But if you take a cinder block, if you drive over a cinder block and it dents your battery, you got to replace the whole thing. There's no servicing the battery. And if you have a cell or a few cells fail, you're going to pull the whole battery out and replace it. But Tesla has shown that they can control the quality of their batteries better than other OEMs. There hasn't been any massive recall on hundreds of thousands of Teslas to replace their entire battery packs, which in turn keeps the cost down. Um, I think the Chevy Bolt had to recall every single bolt that was manufactured before a certain point. All right, let's see, another question. It's just me, no Chris. I got a frozen Chris over here. Hmm. I don't know, man, I'm here. I can hear oh. you fine. Yeah, oh. I mean, so my audio is good. I don't know, you're doing great. <laughs> at, least you're smi at least you're smiling in your blurry frozen self. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Let's see. A lot of questions. We're up to 427 people live. Geo says, uh, what does Corey think of Tesla's valuation, 750 billion in regards to autonomy and robo-taxi? Yeah. Um, I think full autonomy and robo-taxi are really well suited to urban environments. So San Francisco, New York City, uh, the metro areas, but the United States is so large and so big, and you're going to have internal combustion engine vehicles still on the road for another 30, 40 years. Go to California and you still see people driving around 1980s and 1970s F-150s and Silverados because they still run and they keep repairing them and you're going to have that. I've stated before on another interview that I think there'll be this weird secondary market that's created in the 30s and 40s where EVs, you can only buy an EV new, but people will be people will try and keep alive these internal combustion engine vehicles much, much longer, kind of like Cuba with the 1950s Bel Airs and stuff that I think are still running around there. And you'll have this because there's a, there'll be a staunch minority that just doesn't want to change. And uh, anyone who uses cash can't take a road trip in an EV. If you think about that, can you pull up yeah. to a charge station and put a dollar bill in? No, you got you to have a credit card linked to something. So I think you'll have this weird minority where um, the, it'll, it'll hinder autonomy and robo-taxi globally. And um, I guess that's what you're asking, the $750 billion in regards to that. There's a lot of headwinds. All right, next question. I do wanna, um, I mean, I am, mo you go as long as you want. I mean, I'm good. Oh, um, it is 9.30. I just wanna let you know, I am definitely not kicking you off because everybody's having a great time. I'm having a great time now that my internet's working. <laughs> um, but I just wanna give you that heads up. 
Yeah, I, I guess we'll give people five more minutes since we froze for five minutes. And, awesome. Uh, Thank you so much. We really appreciate that. Yeah. Let's see. I've been picking the questions because you've been you're not frozen right now, but good, good. You good. got reverse people. Yeah. Says, hi Corey, are you going to help Sandy and company tear down their first Cybertruck, even though you're no longer with Monroe? I guess the answer is no, not right now, no plans, and uh, unless they invite me back to be in a video or two, but that's really up to Eric and Sandy. Eric is the Monroe Live producer that I hired two and a half years ago. He kicks ass if you've ever met him at events. He is the one who coordinates everything, gets the press vehicles. Uh, he's got everything under control. And then we got uh, somebody said, Amina says, it is so good to see you, Corey, again. Oh, thank you. Very nice. And um, let's see. Bills are electric. Corey, what do you think is the minimum annual production for an EV company to be viable, 100,000 per year? Uh, the answer is dependent on the price point. So there are ultra expensive vehicles that exist in the world where they're only making 20 or 30 or 50. That is a viable business. If you're a Rimic Navara and you're selling the vehicle for whatever, however many million, that is a viable business where you get in a tough spot is you either need to be really luxury. So Bentley, Rolls-Royce, Rimac, Lamborghini, Ferrari to get low, low volumes. If you're in the mid volumes and your price isn't low and isn't high, that's tough. So there was recently an article written about how the average transaction price, I don't remember where the article was, so that's not very helpful to people listening, but the average transaction price of a Porsche is like 138,000, like globally. And they sell the 911 for 275,000. They sell the Macan and some of the smaller, cheaper Porsches for whatever, 50, 60, 70, 80. But they sell a lot, I think hundreds of thousands a year. And that is a viable business if you're a Mercedes, a BMW, or Porsche, and you're in you're in that hundred, hundred and twenty-five, hundred and thirty thousand range, and your volumes are down around a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand, three hundred thousand, four hundred thousand. It's very difficult to succeed in the low cost, high, high, high production. So your Toyotas, your VWs, your GMs, your Fords, and now Tesla is really getting into that with the Model Y being the best-selling car in the world. That's where economies of scale start to make sense, where you have multiple factories producing a product that is extremely streamlined, very high quality. So to answer the question, there is real, there really isn't one number, 100,000 or 50,000. You have to assess where that vehicle sits in the market, where the company sits in the market, and can they command the appropriate price for their vehicle based on the perceived value that the buyer is getting out of the vehicle and some people won't spend the right amount of money on a vehicle and that's where Rivian when they're selling early on for 75 or 80 grand and it really they needed to sell it for 100 or 110 to make money people freaked out so they over delivered but didn't charge the right amount so now they have to find their balance by pulling some of the content and cost out so that they can make money at the price point that people will pay 
long answer. Sorry. No, that's great. No, no, that's what we want for sure. Somebody, yeah, John Yent said, if Corey got Mary Barra's job, what would be his first moves? Good. I wanted to do that one, but I wasn't sure <laughs> you uh, would want to answer that. This is a hypothetical, awesome. hypothetical question. Um, first move. Kill the Hummer. There you go. Yeah. I just think it doesn't make sense. They'd be the second death of the Hummer, the Hummer EV. They have all those orders they're not delivering. They clearly can't manufacture them. There's something wrong. They can't get the battery cells. I don't know what's going on. It's just a horrible. horrible I mean, it's it's three or four EVs worth of batteries. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I got one for you, if you don't mind. Yep. I want to get because uh, I know you talked about this uh, earlier on um, on Herbert's when you were with Herbert. Uh, and which year do you think the Cybertruck will outsell the F-Series? Uh, Yaman, value analyst, is saying 2025. And would you uh, do a coffee bet with him <laughs> on the over-under? Um, I don't think they will outsell. I do not think the Cybertruck will outsell the total F-Series production in 2025. The uh, Lightning, the Lightning, yeah, sure. But internal combustion and uh, electric, no. And I think it's because Tesla states they're shooting for that 350, 375,000 a year. Right. And so they may outsell the RAM. You know, there's a target. Start slow. Aim for third place <laughs> in the U.S. market. That's not bad. Yeah. But knocking off a 46 year run it'll be 47 it'll be approaching 50 years um that's going to be very difficult and uh, until internal combustion engine trucks are banned whole united states which 2040 2045 in all the outlier states because you're going to have montana nebraska idaho all these farms where they're going to hold out um where there's tons of trucks sold, Texas and whatnot. So I think you're looking way out into the future, the 2030s or 2040s, where you might be on a third, fourth, or fifth gen uh, F-150 Lightning, and they actually may start to really kick ass in the future, and then it won't be such an easy decision uh, based sure. on capability. So, right. so yeah, I, yes. I, don't, I don't drink coffee, just water. <laughs> And beer. Yeah, just a bet. Just just a bet. Um, this this has been asked for a while, so I want to get this one up here for you. Uh, Merrick is uh, your opinions on fifth wheel towability? Uh, because you know a lot of people are concerned about on the sides of the Cybertruck. I hear a lot. It's unusable because it's got these yeah. sides flaring up. Um, so I don't think it will be well suited to fifth wheel towing. You may be able to put a yeah you have to think of the shape of the goose and the side the shape of the gooseneck going in and then the, the height of the bed and all the articulating angles i don't even know if it geometrically it'll work that's something i'm just not a towing specialist that's probably a good question for kyle connor but i don't think sure. he tows gooseneck fifth wheel in uh his rivian no right it's it's its own thing 
And plus, typically when you're towing fifth wheel, it's over 10,000 pounds. Uh, that's when you have like a 12, 15,000 pound trailer with, with camper or a car hauler. So fifth wheel towing doesn't even make sense for a light duty truck, which is what the Cybertruck will be and the F-150 Lightning is. Sure. So usually you, do, you reserve fifth wheel for like a dually 2,500, 3,500. That's fair. Okay. Um, again, I definitely do not want to kick you off. I'm good to go. If you if you need to go, you're free, of course. Um, if you want to keep going, or we can call it there. Is there any other ones you yeah, saw that you? I just uh, I can stay for a couple more minutes. I just need to go to bed because I have to get to the airport tomorrow. So once again, check Twitter tomorrow. I'll post what city I'm flying to, and then people can guess as to where my job search is taking me. Yes, lots of speculation. Okay, great. All right. Well, then I am more than happy to uh, be hanging out with you. That's for sure. Um, okay, sorry. Just going to pull these up. So I guess since you mentioned the Hummer EV, I mean, it's not even close. Have you've? Did you guys get a Hummer EV there? I'm sure you've driven one. Uh, we've had uh, several uh, okay. in the building, but not as a press vehicle. We did a, this is Monroe, my past job, which I'm talking about. Um, They did a uh, tear down of the battery pack and of the motor. We got one of the motors. I think it was the front. And uh, we had a chance to interface with one of the vehicles. Not that impressed by it. Right. Oh, yeah. I remember the video. You put it up on the, you guys could, (laughs) you're talking about how heavy it was and and trying to lift it and everything. Um, So then size comparison of Cybertruck to Hummer EV. Again, it's hard. We haven't seen a Cybertruck. There's not a lot of great pictures of it, but Hummer is just so massive. I mean, it's insane. Yeah, and I feel like the Hummer doesn't have as much usable space. It has a lot of wasted space in the center. The That's a Hummer hallmark, right? <laughs> yeah, it's just, yeah, you're right. The original Hummers were horrible uh, from that perspective. Hey, I'm checking my tweet. Uh, yeah. It only got 3,500 views. So maybe some uh, people tuned in. I need to, yeah, I need to uh, retweet it. Somebody tweeted, rest in peace stream with us. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my gosh, I know. Be living out here in the sticks, man. The internet is, uh, oh, that's how it goes. Yeah. James says, uh, I'm reading my own Twitter now. Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks for for asking my question and all the best in your career step. This is nice. That's good. That's good. That's good. Um, I don't know. It was. (laughs) <laughs> no, this is great. Um, it was kind of just funny. I thank you so much for just taking charge. That was really good because I had no idea what was going on, you know, for three yeah. minutes. And I almost took charge the whole time, but because it froze, I thought I could hide my my screen and my mic to check the 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 messages on the YouTube video. And then when I tried to go back, only the admin could add me back. So I actually booted myself off. But... Oh, okay. Yeah. Cause I did add you at some point. Interesting. Okay. Um, oh, this is one I was, I was curious about. So what do you think about this? Uh, this, the cyber trucks armor glass. Uh, do you think it's really going to be that much better? Um, um Anything is better than just a basic uh, windshield. But the one thing the Cybertruck has going for it is angle of attack. It is very relaxed. And Jeeps are horrible because they're like pretty much, they're not straight up, but they're at, 
I don't know, a tiny, a, a tiny acute angle. And everybody I know with a Jeep, their windshields are just destroyed. Even though they have like Gorilla Glass and different coatings and stuff, it just get destroyed. So the relaxed angle of the glass should help um, to ensure that you don't destroy your windshield. It is huge. And large vehicles are higher up, which is helpful uh, for rocks. So every vehicle that I've had that's been an SUV that's been bigger I've had less rock chips than small sedans that are much lower. Yeah. Yeah. My, uh, I drove a focus for a while and had to replace the windshield. I rock chips constantly actually just got two on my model Y last week that I got a safe light coming out to fill soon. But, yeah. um, my first Tesla rock chips ever. <laughs> so, uh, Steuben motors, when are you, you're just opening a Steuben motors, yeah. go, go collab with rich rebuilds. That would be quite yeah. a duo. <laughs> uh, okay. Get rid of these. Um, oh yeah, I did want to ask you about this too. Did you see the the Alaska that that pickup? Only briefly. Sure. I, I okay. briefly saw it, so I'm not real qualified to say much more than I saw. Old Henrik standing on a stage. It looked like a wild production, yeah. and uh, they named it Alaska. It's like why can't they name it after my home state? You know all these things. It's like <laughs> Telluride, <laughs> Tucson, and Santa Fe, Alaska. Come on, EV autom makers name something nebraska i'd buy that <laughs> yep rhymes with alaska not but not quite yeah. um yeah they almost it almost seemed like they i don't want to say copied but it was very similar to the cybertruck reveal with all the smoke everywhere and the lights and i don't know there was definitely like a hint of cybertruck reveal on that one yeah um so with the Cybertruck, what feature would you change or add if you could? Because you, I, I, I'm not going to lie. I was surprised that your answer to your most anticipated is Cybertruck. I don't know why. It surprised me a bit. Yeah, just because it's so so unique. Um, what feature would I change or add? I would like to add the uh, six-passenger version back because I have uh, three children and my wife. And we want to have a fourth. Yes, listeners, we want to have four children. It would be amazing to have a truck where I could fit six human beings in it legally. Right. You know, and having a middle bench seat is awesome if you have a dog. You can ride down the road with the dog in the center and then my wife over on the side. Um, ah, man, that's, that's funny. I, I had a truck with a bench and it was amazing. Yeah. Okay, interesting. The, the the most shocking part about that is fourth child, but I'm very happy for you <laughs> that you said that. Um, all right, what is? I guess we can we can talk about this one. Um, do you think the Cybertruck frunk will be powered? Because Tesla has no powered frunks, unlike pretty much every other EV out there. I shouldn't say every, but all the major ones are powered frunks now. Mm, I'd have to say no. I bet they don't do it just to keep costs down. And those uh, hinges are more like trunk hinges. So if you think of a 2014 uh, Chrysler 300, it had a similar hinge profile like that. Great. And it allows it to go and nest in. And typically they're spring loaded so that they're spring assist. So there'll be a, either a, a spring bar in there or a coil spring in there to help spring it up. So they could be motorized down there, could, 
but you got to look for a button. Do you see a button anywhere? Right. Yeah. No, okay. I didn't see one. That'll be the first person to find a button. You know, we'll we'll solve that. Right. Then you'll know. I mean, I yeah, I, I took some pretty close up shots with the, of course, the pre production one at the Cyber Rodeo and um, the Investor Day that was this year. I didn't see anything like that, unfortunately. Yeah. And it makes sense that this is using the same type of hinge style that you would see in the rear trunk of a car because the shape of this frunk looks exactly like a trunk. It's it a looks like the, the rear trunk on my 1991 Nissan Maxima. Right. It does. So um, this is a, a pretty unique one. So what, what are things that other OEMs are doing well with their EV engineering that you think Tesla lacks? Okay. So have you ever seen the tech talks by Lucid? They're quite amazing. Um, they're like super well-produced YouTube videos where they go through the technology in their powertrains, particularly their motors. Very, very impressive from an energy density perspective and the amount of power that is output for such a small amount of volume. So not only mass, but volume uh, is really incredible what Lucid has been able to achieve. They're even licensing that uh, drive module. I call it EDM. So that's motor differential gear reduction and inverter. I think they're licensing it to Aston Martin and oh, um, a really amazing powertrain. And uh, the total efficiency of those vehicles are still incredible. And um, that's something other OEMs are doing well in EV engineering. Um, what else have I been impressed with? Uh, the Let's see, Rivian, not EV related. Yeah, uh, Faraday Future, believe it or not. Uh, when I went down to see Faraday Future, we filmed a video back in 2020 or 2021. They had some really novel technology with how they cooled the batteries, fully immersed in fluid, uh, where they were flowing liquid all along the sides and bottom of the cells the vehicle's just never been launched. And then their drive module, their EDM, was also very compact, not as compact as Lucid, but I was pretty impressed with the amount of energy density, um, power density they got out of that. So some of these startup EVs had a lot of value proposition and engineering expertise. They just, the vehicles never you know, came to fruition or like Lucid, um, really, really amazing efficiency from a total vehicle perspective. Right. Yeah. Lucid has uh, more efficient and smaller motors than Tesla does. Mm -hmm. So, and, and of course those were developed a while ago at this point. Um, yeah. And they're still like, from what I've heard you guys say and others, they were actually decently far ahead in those regards. It wasn't mm -hmm. a marginal difference. Yep. Um, Amina pointed out that the light, the light wires must run through the hinges on the Cybertruck. So that's a good point because you have that light bar lifting up with it. So there's yep. electricity going up there. It's a good point. So it's not out of the question, but um, <laughs> Nick, that's no good. Don't say that. Uh, all right, uh, th this is an interesting one. Um, so move the charge port, the charge port further back. Did you see this one from Joe uh, with his drone shots? This picture here, yeah. where the Cybertruck is charging, and and people are kind of commenting that it looks like you're kind of barely getting. I mean, look at so the front of the Cybertruck is farther out than that Model Y next to it. The back of the Cybertruck is also closer to the supercharger than the Model Y next to it. 
And to me, it looks like the slack in that wire for the Cybertruck is slightly less than the slack you're getting for that Model Y. So you're going to have to get real close to these superchargers. Tesla removed ultrasonic sensors, which many people think was pretty silly. Um, so, you know, people are like, man, we're going to have a lot of damaged superchargers here. Do you think they should have moved this back further somehow or maybe not that big of a deal? Um, no, because you're going to, they're most likely going to deploy longer charging cords on all of these charge stations to accommodate all these other OEMs using the uh, Tesla network. So sure. I think it'll only be a short-lived problem. Think about it. Uh, for yeah. the next five years, as they roll out uh, the ability for all these other vehicles to use, they're going to have to add longer cables. Yeah, yeah that, you know, that's something I've been surprised about, that we haven't seen more of a rollout of these V4 superchargers or, or something with with these higher charging capabilities. I mean, of course, Tesla has their reasons, but it's just Cybertruck's been delayed so much, whether their initial plan really was 2021 or they were just saying that. They've had all this time, and we're still to this day, we're probably just a few months away from initial deliveries of Cybertruck to employees anyway. And there's not a single V4 supercharger in the US yet. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I find that pretty strange that they didn't have that forward, you know, kind of forward thinking. Yeah, that is pretty close to the, <laughs> the charge station. Yeah, it's farther back than that Model Y is. So, yeah. I mean, that's that's pretty crazy. All right. Uh, how about do you want to you want to pick one more? How about you pick one more? Ooh, I'm not even looking at the the chat anymore. Okay. Um, uh, you, pick, that... you pick one more. Yeah. Okay, I'll pick one more for you. Um, let's see one of the latest ones here. Somebody will get really lucky. Um, all right. Here. Oh, <laughs> I don't know about that one. Um, sorry. There's a a lot here. People are really chatting it up. Um, I think Tesla. Okay, I don't even exactly know what this means, but I'm sure I, I'm sure you do. <laughs> you think Tesla should have an uh, integration of Hyundai's eMobis steering system into the Cybertruck? No. Okay, what is this? Is this like steer by wire or something? I believe it's that uh, steering system that turns all the way ninety degrees. Oh yes, it is. You're right. Okay. No, give me no. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't like that either. Okay, then. Final one I'll throw out yeah. there. What do you, what do you think of steer by wire um, and et cetera going forward? So steer by wire, vehicles are already steer by wire. You just don't realize it. They're steer by wire with a mechanical backup because when you're holding that wheel and you turn left and you turn white, right, you are telling the electric power steering mod, the, the EPS, to turn the wheels left and turn the wheels right. If you were to cut the steering rack, the steering shaft out and keep all the sensors in place and steer, the car would still drive just fine. So really vehicles are drive-by wire with a mechanical connected backup. It's just how the shaft going down the steering wheel interfaces with the sensors. So when you turn left and we turn right and you do get some feedback um, and there was a vehicle, it was a, oh man, I think it, it was an Acura. I think it was an Acura. I can kind of get this wrong. I think it was an Acura back in 2015 that was drive by wire because it, it had a Sprague clutch that disengaged. And let me draw it. 
I'm gonna yes, draw. please. No, that sounds great. That is what we want to see yeah. and hear. Yep. It had a sprag clutch. It disengaged. I'm going to draw it. Take your time. We're yep, excited. <laughs> I don't know if you can see this. See that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Let me get rid of this for everybody. There you go. Yeah. Um, so the thing with the cross hatches was what heads to the steering rack. And the thing that comes down is the steering, the steering uh, input from your steering wheel. And they had, in these little gaps, they essentially had... Uh, little cams they're like cam locks and when this received 12 volts of power it it disengaged them so these i'll show it one more time mm -hmm. for they, sure they were little cam rollers in there and when it disengaged so not only was it in this direction the vibration so the vibration that was coming from the road in the axial direction and rotationally was completely disengaged. So then the steering wheel in the cockpit no longer shook. So when you turned, it was like drive by wire because you physically disconnected the, the top half of the steering shaft and rack from the bottom. But if the vehicle lost power, what happened was the electromagnetic uh, force that held that, that clutch out disengaged. And whether you turn left or right, the little cam lock sprag clutches would engage and you'd be able to steer the car to safety. And that's, that was the thing. that's amazing. It exists. And I studied this system extensively for one of our, our clients. And essentially, if you were to cut out all those pieces, just eliminate them all, the vehicle would drive just fine because almost every vehicle is EPS and they have redundant circuitry on there. So tear down a steering rack from an F-150 Lightning or from a Tesla you look at the circuit board, you have redundant circuit boards. So just like an airplane, you have a backup system that runs. If one side fails, they run the other because it's that critical to safety. Right. Wow. That is that is awesome. So then I want to let you go, but <laughs> maybe we'll do this again if, if you're up for it, because I think there's a lot more uh, that people want to ask. But if it can be brief or whatever you want, and then I'm definitely letting you go. What's with the S and X yoke, steer by wire, all, you know, all, all that um, controversy? Um, I know that when the S and the X were launched, people thought that it would be completely steer by wire. That would make a ton of sense if you got rid of the physical connection because you need a circular wheel if you're going to do the traditional whatever, how many turns to lock and how many turns to lock. Because if you're not looking, you need to let the wheel slip through your hand. And that, that drove me crazy. When I drove the Model S Plaid, it drove me nuts. And... Um, because of that, uh, if it were drive by wire, you could just turn to a small lock and then the wheel would turn way further and it'd be awesome. Cause essentially you turn to a small lock and you, you, you would turn all the way yeah. and the other way, turn all the way similar to an uh, F1 car. So you look at the F1 drivers, they're driving, they, you know, whatever, whatever. And then when they turn, they only go like halfway over and then it's all right. the way. That's what you need for a yoke. You need, uh, progressive steering or drive-by-wire. Great. Okay. Thank you so much. I will let you go. You're a super busy man. You're traveling tomorrow. Everybody follow Corey on X slash Twitter. Corey Stubin. There it is right there. You can see it on the stream. 
Thank you so much, Corey. I super appreciate this. Everybody in the chat is so happy and excited. They want you to come back if you're allowed to in the future, depending <laughs> on what you're doing. It, maybe, maybe not. So depending on where I end up, I may disappear from the internet or I could be on the internet a lot. Great. All right. Well, I have your number, so I will continue to talk to you. <laughs> All right. All right. Thank you so much. Have a great night. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye, everybody. Thank you so much. Have a good night, everyone.